Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to To The Point Podcast, or should I say welcome back to all of our regular listeners. I do want to give a big shout out to Jeff T. Thank you so much for the feedback and the rating. We want to keep it coming, folks, so don't be shy. Reach out to us. We want to hear from you. Um, Joining me, as always, is Eric Trexler, our host. Hey, Eric. How you doing? Good morning, Rachel. We we only want high ratings. If you don't like it, just unsubscribe or disappear. Don't say anything. We're okay with that. It's fine. If you if, if you have feedback, we'll take it, of course, to make ourselves better. But we really want the high ratings, Rachel, right? High ratings. All high, high ratings. ratings all day all long. All fives. Yeah. All fives. High fives. So I want to, again, I'm excited for our guest today. You know, it's the professional, the personal accomplishments. I, I'm just in awe. So let me start with some of that first. Talk to She's us. Been, She's been recognized as one of the most influential women in UK tech by Computer Weekly and was a key influencer in driving forward the big data agenda and the UK Big Data 100. But that's not all. In addition to all of her amazing tech work, and that was just a baby snapshot, she also swam the English Channel in 2016. So welcome to the podcast, Sue Daly, Director of Technology and Innovation at Tech UK. Welcome, Sue. Hi, everybody. Really, really glad to be here. <laughs> Thanks for that intro. <laughs> hey, oh, Sue, so I, you almost did yeah. the opposite of what we did in World War II when we escaped from Dunkirk. You just went the other way without a boat. Well, I did have a boat. Uh, I have to swim alongside a boat. You can't right. do the, the channel without. But right. also interesting fun fact is you cannot swim the English Channel from France to England. You have to always start in England. And because of the England currents. No, just because that's the rule. Seriously? Oh. Mm. Oh, I would be so be breaking that it. rule. I'd be like, I'm going the other way, and I really don't give a damn. <laughs> well, if you I'd be the do only that, person, you... not that I could ever swim the English Channel, <laughs> yeah, nor ever. would want to. Yeah. I would be the only only person to break the rule. I'd be like, I'm the guy who made it the other way. Well, you can do it the other way, but you have to swim the one way first. So one of your amazing... Um, uh, citizens from the US, a lady called Sarah Thomas was the first woman and first person ever last year, hmm, forgive me, COVID, the year before, to do a four-way English channel. So England to France, France to England, England to France, and France to England back. Sarah Thomas. Without breaks? Amazing. Without breaks. How far that is that? That is crazy. It's, uh, well, Sarah is a long way. So it's 21 miles straight across in a straight line. But as you say, Eric, because of the currents, you never swim in the straight line. So you have to go a long way. Um, so it can be, you know, 30, 40 miles swim. Hold on. So she she did 30 to 40 miles times four. Well, Sarah is a quicker swimmer than I am. So she probably took a shorter route as in more direct. Okay. Yeah, let's she assume she's the. Times. Let's assume she's like perfect in swimming, twenty-one miles from point to point, times four. Rachel, help me with the math. I think that's eighty-four. Sure. It's even more impressive yeah. in kilometers, if you, especially for us Americans. <laughs> she's the who only don't person know that's ever done it in the world. So wow. She swam eighty-four miles without a break. Mm-hmm. You can't break if you touch the boat or the boat touches you. Game over. So you just have to keep going. 
Wow. I, I feel like With, you're such an underachiever here, only going once the 21 miles. Uh, so come on, let's be I honest. <laughs> that is crazy to me. Crazy. I mean, think about yes. who would walk 84 miles. I'm trying to think how long it would take you to even walk 84 miles. How long does that I take? Know. So um, the average channel swim take about, and everyone's different, right? Some, I think the fastest is about nine hours. The longest obviously goes into multiple hours. Average about 15, 16, it took me, because I got stuck with tides, uh, 23 hours and 28 minutes. Of and that constant swimming. Okay. And how long did you swim, How far, wow. distance-wise? So they kind of, I kind of gave up counting, probably about 35, 40 miles. But the thing is, it's, it's a great um, testament of the human body. And I always say that yes. swimming in English Channel, actually, a, a coach of mine once said is, you know, 80% med, um, uh a mental yes. 20% physical it your really body is. will just keep going mm -hmm. your mind has to be exactly you know I'm not stopping no doubt head down and you just keep going until yeah. you you hit the beach that's right. and that's the only way to do it yeah. you've got to be that mental strength that is that is a tremendous accomplishment Sue it really so is so where, where do you go from which town to which town uh from Dover yeah so, okay. uh, well from Dover on the English coast um, to again, you you can't land in the normal place in France, so Calais, um, because it's a major port. Yeah. So depending on the tide, you may land down on the coast. So I landed in a beach called Wissant, which a lot of people land on. But okay. everybody's different. It depends where the where the tides take you, really. But the objective is just to get to the other side. And, and I, I don't want to spend too much time. It is a tech podcast, as you reminded us <laughs> earlier. But. <laughs> Tell our listeners what that's like. You're swimming in the darkness. You've got a little boat right. next to you. You can't touch it. Are there jellyfish Th there, there and other things in the water help. too? Yeah. I mean, there's obstacles yeah. in the water as well. It's not right, but like we learned the fish are Sue's friends, pool. Rachel, in the prep. That's remember? true. The, the fish are <laughs> like Sue's you friends. and the fish. Um, we'll talk about that in the in the show notes, maybe for our listeners. But but yeah, so so you've got jellyfish. You've got other fish. You've got debris. Probably you've got other boats, which hopefully stay away because you've got your boat with you. But I, I got to tell you, what's it like at night? I, I, I've actually swam at night, long distance, yeah. Well, yeah. like two miles. And open right? water to boot. I mean, that's scary. That's hard. Yeah. So I started, I think I left England about six in the morning. Um, so obviously I went nearly 24 hours. So yeah, you know, and you have to be prepared for that. You are going to swim in, in the dark and you can train for that. Like we, we did some training in the dark, but um Essentially, you have to just have that mental strength and that mental capacity to just keep your head down, um, put one arm in front of the other and keep going. I think your mind can definitely play tricks with you. So you have, you know, all different games and things in your mind, like put all the American states in the right order of alphabet or, wow. you know, <laughs> I used to do silly things like, can I put all the scenes of all the Star Wars movies in the right order and things like that. You have a lot of time to think, right, right. right on your own. And you, and you so, need to keep that mind just, going and engaged or you think yeah. about the pain, the yeah. distance, the misery, right. the cold. Yeah, or what's underneath you. You just have to, and you train for that, right? But it's it's a, a definite, you know, mental, mental strength that you need to kind of just keep going. Yeah. Whatever your body's saying, I went in there with my mind of, I'm not getting out. I'm not stopping. I will stop when I get to the other side. Mm -hmm. And that, that powered me on. Um, and Diane Nyad, who swam from, yes, yes. I'm sure I've got her name right, from Florida to Cuba, had a, a mantra of 
just find a way. Yeah. Just got to find a way. And, you know, we all have that in life, right? It, it translates into everything. If, you, if you're having a bad day or if you're having a tough week or COVID and getting through the pandemic, we've just got to find a yeah. way. So um, everybody has that in them. I truly believe you all, we all have that in them, um, that mental strength in us. It's just how we use it and how we apply it in our lives. That's that's a really really good segue to our daily lives, right? That that it mental is. fortitude that you you showed. I mean, a lot of people showed that during COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, obviously not swimming, but dealing with the the mental components and the separation, and it, it was rough. But I agree with you that one foot. Yeah. That was probably the biggest lesson I took out of the. I was in the U.S. Army, and and, and just keep going. Don't quit. Don't yeah. quit. Keep going. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Wow. Okay, Indeed. Rachel. That's, uh, <laughs> that'll make us all feel like underachievers for the day. I know. <laughs> Thank you, Sue. Thank you, Sue. Yes. No, not at all. It's, it's good though. Um, so coming back to Tech UK, just real quick for our listeners, I was on the website and I really love, this kind of gets to my, my thing about, you know, cooperation, collaboration, but you're a trade organization, you know, and you act as a network for innovation and collaboration. Um, and you do a lot of the public-private partnerships, which I think is really, really fascinating. Um, could you just give our listeners a quick primer on what Tech UK does from, from your perspective? Yeah, back back to the day job, right? So Tech UK, exactly. We're a membership organization and a trade association. So we have around 850, 900 member companies, um, tech companies or companies looking to use technology in what they do every day. And we're really here to be that that voice of the, the tech or uh, the digital sector in the UK. And with a mantra really to, um, you know, to help companies to scale and thrive and grow here in the UK and the UK market. But also, more importantly, how do we get tech right? right? How do we get tech right from, you know, an economy uh, and, a, and a productivity right. point of view for, for, you know, people and obviously how governments are using it in public service delivery for society, you know, and, and people in their everyday lives, which I'm sure we'll come on to today. And also, of course, more importantly, how do we get tech right for the right. planet as well? Yeah. Obviously, the climate change uh, agenda is huge. It, it's really important for our members and for our industry, but also one I, you know, truly believe that, you know, tech can yes. help protect and enable us. Um, so that's really what we're all about. And yeah, um, check out our website or, you know, get in touch with me afterwards if people want to know more. And Sue, so can you, do you have to be a UK company in order to join? So yeah, you have to have a UK presence, I okay. suppose. So an so office or something. You have to have a, a base in, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're here, we're here and we help, you know, companies that are, you know, starting and scaling up here in the UK, which is awesome. Uh, but also those that are outside the UK looking to to be part of the, the community and the, the yeah. sector here as well. So everyone is welcome. Oh, I love that. Yeah, very I love cool. That. Smart idea. It really is. It's, you know, it's because so much I think is in the sharing of information. You know, if we're going to make any steps forward... Um, you know, particularly within it comes cyber risks, right? And, and, you know, zero day exploits and things. I mean, we have to share information with one another to, to be able to kind of get ahead of the threat, if, if at all, or try to shut it down, you know, not too yeah. long after it starts. But I, I love that, that thinking. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to this as well. It's, you know, and you hit the nail on the head, that collaboration, right? Um, and this is not just in cyber, but across everything we learn from others, you know, experiences. We learn from what works. We learn from perhaps what hasn't worked. 
It's about amplifying, sharing um, good examples, good best practice. But also no one can do this alone, right? I mean, I've, I've worked in tech for many years, cyber in, in many years as well. And the mantra of, you know, um, if we look at the cybersecurity, you know, online yeah. threat environment, where it's going, how it's evolving, industry will see part of that. But industry alone can't address those challenges, exactly. right? And it needs government, industry, academia, society, everybody working together. Um, so collaboration is is really and convening and being that facilitator of those conversations is really at the heart of, of, of what we do. And I think what's really important, particularly in this area. Agreed. I mean, we do a poor enough job today together. I mean, imagine if we all went at it alone. I mean, we're, we're getting better yeah. and better. But I mean, imagine if we just all went off in our own directions and tried to get a, yeah. a, a central goal. I mean, that'd be a disaster. Yeah, absolutely. So I think while we're talking on the collaboration topic, though, right, and, you know, kind of one of the things that has come up again and again is kind of this idea of a cyber UN or, you know, how do we work across nation states and, you know, kind of come to, you know, some kind of common ground, right? So we can work together. Um, obviously, there are agendas, but, you know, your organization's been really good at the public-private partnerships. And I wonder if there's like a secret sauce or something that you might be able to share with our listeners, because we found a lot of times in those setups, um, it's not really clear who has the stick and who's accountable. So I, I would love any any insights you have on that. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and I'm going to say something I'm sure other uh, guests have said here before. Um, there's right. no silver bullet. We right? actually it's, have had that. You have to a find what times. works. Yeah. 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 Perhaps no one swam the English Channel. Perhaps I'm you unique in that absolutely way. But, um, unique absolutely unique in that way. Yes. In fact, yes. I don't think we've had a swimmer on yet. <laughs> well, there you go. That's a challenge for you. But I, th I think, yeah. So different, you know. Um, Different. It depends also on the issue or the topic that you're bringing, trying to bring people and coalesce people around, right? That will be different. But cooperation, yeah, it's absolutely key. And finding that that um, hook that will uh, enable that kind of collaboration to occur. And we had only last week at Tech UK, we held our third annual, uh, what we call our yes. Cyber Innovation okay. Den, which is all kind of looking at where cyber is in the UK, what's the direction of travel, you know, what's, what's going to happen um, but also then we have a bit of a competition, a bit of a innovation dragon's den kind of thing where we we get people to pitch innovative ideas uh, and and have that kind of awareness raising. And uh, um, so that helps, you know, those smaller, more innovative companies come through. But the digital infrastructure minister, Matt Warman, um, MP in the UK, came along and I was speaking to him at, at the innovation den. And he made the point again, Rachel, of you know that no one can do this alone. Right. So we've got to bring people together, and uh, I would say that's you know important to the UK, but also of course international as well. And bringing people together, I think, secret source, I suppose, is kind of on a consistent mm -hmm. basis. So in the UK, we've got some really good examples of that. So things like we we have a cyber growth partnership where we've seen real results of bringing together kind of cyber SMEs with, you know, larger players and looking at opportunities for partnership and, and um, collaboration. And that's seen huge growth um, and areas. I think also when I look at what the UK has done around what we call public-private partnership, I think having a national cybersecurity strategy, mm. which we've had since um, 2016 now, it's, it's due to be updated this year. So, you know, that's going to be a key development in the UK for people to watch out for. 
and a national cybersecurity centre that was also created have been key to that success as well. You know, the strategy, I suppose, is giving people that kind of singular vision and that leadership of what we're looking to, you know, the challenges, the, the issues we need to be addressing from government. And then that the National Cybersecurity Centre has become kind of, I suppose, that, that trusted technical authority that, that businesses can bring ideas to or bring issues to or citizens can rely on in terms of advice. So both those elements have been key and, again, consistent pillars of, of the UK in this space. And I think we've, we've definitely um, built on that. So the partnership approach really serves as well in terms of, you know, when you need it, responsiveness, when you need it, you know, development of maybe new innovative developments because technology's evolved and the online threat environment's evolved. But importantly, it's just that collaboration and bringing people together. So I hope that helps. But I think those are a few things that we would see as what's worked well, well in the I, UK. I, I would agree with that. I think you've done really well to the point where as an American business, we do have a UK capability. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes hard to break in because of that UK lean, right? To, to because, because everybody's getting together, everybody's working together. You want to keep your national industry going. Um, but I think it's just more more connected. And, and when I watch the States, I don't, I don't know about you, Rachel, but we're just, I don't know if it's our size if, or what it is, but we don't have, mm-hmm. you know, the National Cybersecurity Center. We don't have any any one thing centralizing us. I feel like we've got 40 things centralizing us, which means yeah. by definition, we're not centralized, we're decentralized. I'm, I'm trying to think, Sue, in the States, if there's a comparable. There's CISA, which we talk about all right. the time, right. which is under the Department of Homeland Security. And then you've got NSA and you've got other components of the government that pull us together. And then you've got academic frameworks where, but but we have so many things. I couldn't give you any one or even five, probably. Right. You I mean, know, where to I go, don't even know for national vision, too. I mean, I guess the Biden executive order on on mm. cybersecurity that recently came out. I guess that's that the cyber the Solarium vision-ish. report that came out yes. of out mm-hmm. of Congress. Those give direction, right? But they give direction to all these little fiefdoms or or. Or groups. There's no one unified. That's true. Capability that I can think of. I don't. I don't know. Right. I, I, when I go to the UK, which pre-COVID was more often than now, haven't been back since, obviously. But it's it's definitely a more unified, more central approach. People know who's in charge, who's responsible for certain things, and I, I think you've done a really That's nice wonderful. job with that. Yes. No, well, I think it's developed over time. Right. It's not. We didn't flip a switch and have it. it it's it's evolved over time, and you know, you know, big as we would say in the UK, hats off to everybody that's been involved and is developing that approach. But I think it's something, yeah, you do have to to work on. But you have to bring right. everybody with you, right? You have to to bring that kind of um, community spirit and bring that collaboration. And I think that's that's what's really worked in the UK. But I think again, the strategy has really been important for that. Um, and and really help steer, but you know you do have that. You know we're on a much smaller scale, which perhaps gives us that more agility, that more flexibility, that ability to you know everybody knows everybody. It, it gives you that kind of ability to I perhaps so. move a bit quicker. Yeah. But um, it, again, it it doesn't come overnight, right? right? You have to build right. it in trust, as we all know. I mean, I used to work in cyber many many years ago, and just you know people even back in the day, and I'm showing my age now not wanting to talk about the, the spam um, threats that people were getting, right? And not wanting 
not wanting to show their hand. That's definitely, but it, again, it didn't, you know, it's evolved and people are more willing to share. But again, because mm-hmm. that trust has been developed and because you've got those kind of um, consistent approaches to be able to do it. So, it, uh, you know, let's be optimistic. It will come. Yeah, it just exactly. comes with time. Like, like all good things, right? Just comes with time. <laughs> so what, what about collaboration between Indeed. the U.S. and the U.K., um, the U.K. and the E.U., you know, maybe the U.K. and other countries like China and Russia who are not in the EU, obviously, and maybe a little more uh, competitive with the UK. How, how do you how do you think about that collaboration wise? Yeah, that's a good question, and um, that could be a, a, a question all in it. <laughs> well, let's go. Podcast all in itself, right? So <laughs> we break it down. I suppose if you start kind of UK US. Um, collaboration yeah of course there's there's a lot that can be done there right and there's a um a lot of opportunities for collaboration between the uk and us um because you know we've we've done that in the past right again we're not starting from scratch and i would say you know the uk and us um and perhaps you could put uk us and the eu in this you know in the same place regarding the kind of you know online threat environment and what that looks like Uh, but if you could look at the uk and the us you know we share a, a global outlook. You know, we there are so hostile nations, geopolitical threats are similar. So you're in a kind of similar um, uh, approach, I suppose, in terms of um, or position of where we are. Perhaps the US being again your size and scale is a bit of a bit of a, a bigger target, of course. But um, UK, you know, we're a bit more. I would argue, um, perhaps a bit more. You know, that that digitally enabled and that digitally, you know. Uh, flexible and agility that again leaves us open to you know attackers as well so there are threats that we share there are um issues that we share uh so yeah again i would say there's there's scope for how do we work together and tackle them accordingly and i think we saw um just the week before last um my timing my my sense of time during this time has gone mad so people are probably screaming going no it's lovely right. yes in the g7 you know the g7 meeting uk and the us green strength and ties and science and technology through a new atlantic charter so there's a lot more going on the the eu similarly you know share a lot of the the um the, the online threat environment the, the 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 threats that that we do you know both our nations do and there's a, a lot can, can be done there. Just you know, we'll continue to engage with the EU, of course, on 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 issues, and particularly as they look more to um, yeah. the role of AI. So AI technologies, and they're looking at how do we, how does the European kind of member states look at not just AI actually, but um, the Gaia X um, project, which people might want to look at around increasing adoption yeah. of cloud computing across the whole of the EU member states. You know, those um, it, within those conversations around emerging technologies, whether it's AI or cloud, of course, or digital twins, cyber has to be part of that discussion, right? So then you come back to, well, collaboration and learnings. Okay, well, what could other countries who are maybe a bit further down that journey, what can they learn and what can they share to, to nations as well in terms of how those technologies are moving forward? So, so yeah, but again, it's finding those um those ways of collaborating and finding those, you know, discussion points. So AI is very much a, a live conversation in the EU right now. Of course, it is around, around the world. 
And again, how do you get AI right? Not just for businesses, not just the economy, but for people and the kind of cyber issues as well as, you know, wider societal data privacy, data protection, data governance Mm -hmm. issues have to be part of that conversation. But it allows, you know, you to have that conversation. Real quick, data privacy in the... In the EU, we've got GDPR, which I think was probably one of the biggest, It's it's got to be the biggest data privacy uh, regulatory components we've seen around. You know, so we've got that. As, as Brexit happened, do you still follow GDPR in the UK? And how does, how do, how do we deal with AI and data so, sharing and everything so yeah, else? GD- Two part. Okay. Well, uh, so that's, that's, Two very good questions. So uh, from a GDPR point of view, so yes, um, the UK and the EU are very aligned in terms of the data protection um, uh, laws and regulation that we have. So our our data protection act is based on the GDPR. Um, um, uh, So we at Tech UK um, from actually day one after the, the Brexit announcement said, you know, Whatever happens, data has to continue to be yes. able to flow between the UK and the EU. It's important for the EU market. It's important for the UK. How to do that is for the UK to secure um, a data adequacy agreement with the European Commission, with the EU. And actually, you know, other non-EU countries have this as well. So that means an agreement, an adequacy agreement that you have to secure to say that, you know, um, data can flow backwards and forwards as if you were, you know, as if the UK was still in the EU, because the level of protections of the data is, is you know, it's on the same basis. The legal framework is the same. So um, we uh, we um, were hoping to achieve right. that by the end of like Brexit Day, but actually they created what they called a bridge, um, which allowed right. the discussion to continue because the negotiations had to continue. We believe they're now coming to an end, and it looks like. I'm, I hope that the UK will secure. It's really, really important the UK does secure a data adequacy agreement, which will mean that data okay. can flow between the UK and the EU. So that's been a real big focus of Tech UK's work over many, many years um, and really thrilled with the direction of travel oh, looks wonderful. like the UK will secure that data adequacy agreement. Because to your point around um, AI, and it's not just AI, if we're thinking about the future of, you know, driverless cars and the future of technology generally in terms of how we live our lives, being able to have um, data that can seamlessly flow is really, really important. So, you know, you get in your um, AI-enabled driverless car on a, perhaps you don't swim, so you take the ferry in England and you you want to get off in France, you want your car to be able to continue to work. It needs data to be able to be processed backwards and forwards, you know. So it's really, really important. But we have to recognize that, you know, you're absolutely right. GDPR was a huge um, transformation in terms of what we had before. You know, it wasn't the start. We had a data, a data protection directive, Directive um, 9546, for those that are listening that, 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 that understand the kind of terminology, the legal terminology that had been in place for 20 years. You know, and you think about it, it was written at a time when mm. data was still put in filing cabinets. You know, it, mm. it, is, it was principle-based and it stood the test of time. But quite rightly... Data have moved on. Technology had moved on. So GDPR was the reaction to right. Well, we the need the digitization to really ready for right, the, right. the digital world, and perhaps the next twenty years. Yeah, and now I suppose the question is: Well, will it live for another twenty years? Or will you know it evolve? But what we're seeing at the same time as you know GDPR, we have GDPR. It it gives us the principles. It gives us a very clear clarity about how you can use data, what you can use it for, what you can't use it for. 
And it gives, importantly, right. citizens powers to make decisions, right, to make choices about how their data is being used. But at the same time, we're seeing the EU now look at, okay, well, emerging technologies like AI, mm-hmm. how do we regulate AI and the uses of AI? So um, the, the conversation in the EU right now is that there's a draft EU regulation, which is looking at how you um, can use AI technologies. What does it mean, particularly in particular risk-based um, areas, high-risk sectors and industries, and how it will be applied and used? But of course, it's going to be really important that whatever they introduce within that space, I was about to say talks to, but in, mm. you know, is aligned with GDPR. So, and we've seen this in cyber, right? You have so many, if you have too many laws or too right. many regulations or too different lack of consistency or a lack of consistent framework doesn't help anyone, right? So being able to um, ensure there is clarity and understanding of the rules of the road okay. are going and to be tech, really important. Tech UK, not just cybersecurity. I mean, that's technology for UK. How has how has that evolved yeah. over time we, though? Yeah. The work that was being done, I'm assuming cybersecurity, like most things in infotech, have it's it's grown in its in its prevalence or or the percentage of of spend of cycles, however you want to measure it, that we're spending in technology on security as opposed to just moving mm-hmm. to the cloud or creating new capability. Have you seen the same thing? So I think I, I I can't give you exact figures <laughs> right now, but I, what I would say is in, in my time, um, cyber has mm-hmm. always been part of the conversation. It's always been an element of it, but I think increasingly so it's become at the heart and at the core of, of, of the conversation now, particularly as we talk about how we get emerging and transformative technologies right. Um, it, it's it's at the heart of everything we need to do as an industry to get it right because uh, you know it comes back to trust and confidence. So our organisations and citizens are people going to want to use AI technologies mm-hmm. or products and services. Yes, but they want to know it's secure. They want to know their data is secure and data is protected. Um, you know, if we are building the next generation infrastructure that is cloud enabled. Um, edge enabled, and we know that edge computing is increasingly a conversation that that's you know I, I see moving up the agenda of a lot of people of okay it's cloud but how you know what what um, right. what and where could edge be important to what we do as a business and how do we get that right um, as we move towards um, things like you know quantum technologies and quantum you know issues around the security of quantum computing yes. that will become um, a key part of the conversation so. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's an important. I would say it's at the heart of you know um, everything we do at Tech UK. Whether I'm talking to people about any type of technology, right. cyber has always got to be part of the conversation, and at Tech UK has always been part of the conversation. So I, I used to um, run government affairs, government relations for Semantic um, in the UK and Northern Europe many years ago, and you know that was um, at the heart of. Uh, uh, at Tech UK, that was where the conversation was happening about, you know, how things are developing. So yes, it's it's at the heart okay. of everything that we do at Tech yeah, UK. Yeah, because it that's how it has to be, right? I mean, it's it's it may, I think it makes maybe innovation harder, but to go back and bolt on security after the fact is is also infinitely harder and and not necessarily great. So. <laughs> yeah, and and I suppose you have a similar conversation with just 
to go back, Eric, to your you know GDPR question, that one of the the new developments mm-hmm. in GDPR was the, the privacy by design approach, right? So how you build in, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about security by design. Well, GDPR introduced the concept of privacy by design. So the requirement to think about data privacy, data protection issues um, at, as you said, Rachel, at the start, rather than bolting it on or adding it on at the end. Right. So it, it's 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 built into the very core of, of what people are doing or how people and, use and data. Rachel, we're and hearing that really, really more and more. I mean, the well. podcast is, I don't know, three years old at this point, but we're, we're, yeah. I, I would say in the last year, we've heard a lot more people talking about building security in upfront, yes. whether it's DevSecOps or just a different way of thinking or integration of the teams. So we're, we're definitely hearing a, a lot more about that with our guests when they come on, which I think is a very good thing. Yeah. Can you imagine building a car and then realizing, okay, so we yeah. need door locks and we need like protective, I mean, yeah, just, that'd be a mess. Yeah. But then, you know, it's, I would say, um, you know, we've just talked about regulation and laws and regulatory framework. So right. uh, that's just as important as the technology itself. Right. And I'm sure others have said right. this, you know, it's the three legs of the stool. It's the, Technology and Eric, you're absolutely right of how you get the technology right and building that security and it's the policies and procedures that that then enable people to use and deploy those technologies safely and securely. But then it's the third one is people, right? right? It's getting the people issue right as well. So whether it's getting the people in your organization trained and Mm -hmm. and knowing what they need to do from a cyber point of view and a data privacy protection point of view, but also looking at our digital citizens and digital population and making sure cyber security mm-hmm. awareness is, you know, is, is key to them as well. So it's getting all three rights, people, process and technology. Back to my old ITIL days say, again, Rachel. It really holds the place. comes back to the people, the process and the technology. I mean, that's 20 plus years old, but I, I agree with you. Those yeah. are it's so true. the foundational right? pieces. Yeah. 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 It's still, it's still relevant. It still holds true. Yeah, it's still um, relevant today. So I've got a final question. This is my favorite final question. Eric probably knows what it is. I have another final question. So you get two do finals, you? Sue. Okay, you do, okay, but great. you're going you're gonna to hate so, mine. Okay, well, my, here, I'm going to go with mine. <laughs> so you'll so be as, fine. As we look at the, at the path ahead in the next five, 10 years, and I know there are things like the quantum, right? Quantum computing and, you know, all the implications there for security and, you know, which nation gets it first and, you know, cracks the code, all those things. However, you know, do you have optimism for the cyber path ahead? Do you think we're going to get ahead of this threat or better manage it? Uh, what's your perspective there? Good question. Oh, I love that one. That's a really good question. Mine's I think a softball. Mine's I'm a softball. Really you can do it while swimming the channel. You can answer it in two seconds. <laughs> okay. You guys have excellent questions. So I think I'm optimistic um, because... Uh, of two things. One, because of that collaboration and that right. partnership approach, right? No one is on their own here. And, and as our digital minister said, no one can do this alone. So we have to work together. But also because yet, you know, the, the, the online threat environment continues to evolve, as we all know. New technologies that, that come up and that evolve are important to our industry and are important to all industries. Yes. But also we know cyber criminals tend to use them as well, right? So we know that that causes uh, an issue as well. I'm thinking about, you know, increased automation, machine learning being right, used to generate, right. you know, fake messages, deep fakes, um, you know, sophisticated hacking, exactly. But um, 
these, and particularly you think about AI, why I'm optimistic is these tools yes. can also be extremely powerful for this cybersecurity industry to tackle and, and, and enhance capabilities yes. to address the, the online threats that are coming. So, you know, how can, and this is something we, we're looking at very much at Tech UK, how can companies and organizations in the cybersecurity world, um, I suppose, embrace right. and use particularly AI technologies to help the, you know, the wonderful professionals that are working day in, day out um, in this industry uh, to to make sure that we are secure right. and we are protected from, you know, not just what we know, but what's coming down the line. So I believe it's just some really exciting technologies out there that can help and that awesome. can, can really bolster the I love it. Nice. I love it. We so, love that. Yeah, I am optimistic. Sometimes we feel we go a little pessimistic here because we talk about, <laughs> you know, the events that just hit us and it's killing us. So, okay. So before I get to my final question, I have a, uh, one, one last question. <laughs> so I'd love your perspective on diversity in cybersecurity from the U.S. Mm-hmm. The, I'm sorry, the U.K. perspective, right? We, we, we speak a lot on diversity in cybersecurity in the U.S. market, but I'd love your perspective from the U.K. side of the house. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really big issue and it's a really, really important issue and it's something Tech UK, we feel strongly about across the whole of the tech and digital sector and industry, right? Getting diversity, getting mm, diversity of voices, diversity of opinions, diversity of people working in this industry and sector across the board is, is really important. And in cyber particularly, it's 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 a challenge, right? And it's it's um it's it's an, an area that we've focused a lot of work on. I think from my view and my years of working in this industry and working in cyber. It's Meaning we're getting see, better see at increasing. it. Just, you know, anecdotally, the, the amount of women that I okay. see. Yes, slowly. Well, right. I see progress. Yeah, I think there are more women in this industry now, yeah, than there ever used to be. Right. Whether it's the diverse, as as we would like, I think that's another question. But I think to give you a bit of a, um, we did at Tech UK, um, actually driven by one of our um, members, um, uh, a, a campaign called, Wait a minute, hold on, um, hold on. Let me translate that. That means get in line for the bathroom. So you know. <laughs> Thank you. I was about to say, you know as Brits, we love to queue for everything, right? We love to stand in right. line. We love to queue. Meaning jump forward like in the jump line for the, line the bathroom. jump the queue, but we like I to stand in line it. and then touch. Okay, I'll, next time I'm over, pros COVID yeah, here, I'll watch out for that. The, the people that do, right? So the premise... So the premise is that, you know, um, the only place that women don't seem to have to stand in line or queue for the loo is at a cybersecurity event, right? So you'll go to cybersecurity events and there'll be queues, there'll be a line for the male, you know, loo. Women will just kind of saunter in and we'll probably know everybody's in that loo anyway, but that's, you know. So it's a bit tongue in cheek and the name is tongue in cheek name for a really clear problem of how do we get to that point where you... And maybe to your listeners, right. next time you go to a cyber event, see if there's a queue for the loo and, and let us know yes. if there is. So how do we highlight that as a challenge in an area where we need okay. to be, you know, improving the diversity gap um, and, in, and getting to a point where there is a queue for the loo? And how do we talk about that? I so it's, it. it's a kind of cheeky kind of way of having that conversation. Mm-hmm. We've done a lot of events which have brought that community together to kind of talk about, well, 
how are we doing? What are we doing? Absolutely. What do we need to do? Interesting. So in 2001, quick side note, I was at EMC and we did a you know large technology company, not cybersecurity, certainly at the time, not cybersecurity. And my wife yeah. was there, but I didn't know her at the time and she wasn't my wife. There were about five women at the sale, the annual sales kickoff meeting. Mm. Wow. Out of, guess, guess out of how many salespeople yeah. at the time? Five. More than 2,500. Oh. I don't remember the exact number. This is 2001. Thousand, right? We're in Atlanta. Wow. And I noticed the men's room lines. I had never been at a company that large. Wow. I'd never been at a work event that large mm -hmm. in technology. You know, if you go to a baseball game or a rugby match or cricket, whatever. Right. Yeah. You have bathroom lines, but you have them on both sides many times. It blew me away. I I'll never forget it. And, and that was when I said, there, it was the first awakening for me personally, yeah. where I said, we have a major problem here. Right. You know, fortunately, my wife and I are now married and we talk about it more openly. Things have really changed. You want to talk yes. about progress? Yes. Things have really changed yeah. and things have opened up and I'm not blaming yeah. EMC, but it was eye-opening the cue for the loo. I mean, the, the, the line to the water closet was long for us men. They had multiple bathrooms. I think they even opened up a ladies yeah. room or two Yeah. in this conference center because they had to for capacity. <laughs> well, right. Well, that's, that's, that's great. I mean, in more ways than one, that's great, but it, it really, you know, it, I, I understand that there's a real role to be played in, um, and I used to shy away from doing this, but in, in, you know, stepping up and talking and getting out about and talking about, a, you know, a, yes. a, a career in this area and a career in this, in this amazing, fabulous sector and industry that, you know, that we're all engaged in because yes. that will, yes. you know, you tell your story and it will encourage others to, to lead the way. So doing, you know, kind of getting mentors out there, getting voices out there, getting, yes, yes. um, I don't like, oh, not role models, but you know what I mean? Getting out and about and talking and, and showing will help, right? And I think, again, if if we come up with an idea or a concept- Right, let's use works, it. Let, you know, yeah, absolutely. We have a lot of problems and we don't have enough right? people. Let's we, take advantage exactly. of all of the people yeah, to yes. solve the problems. So, Sue, it's time. My last and final question. <sighs> You're swimming the English Channel. Fins or feet? Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> Do you wear fins or are you going just barefoot? Just barefoot. Uh, feet? No, no, that would be against. That's against that's the rules. Hopefully, you have a swimsuit too. A hat and goggles. Well, that's swimsuit, it. Swimsuit, yeah. That's it. Um, so yeah. you could like put in like a waterproof iPod to listen to some jams while you're swimming, or no, no dice. Wow. Wow, that's hardcore. Oh wow, no, I that know. is. Uh, you know, we'll, no. we'll end it how we started. That that is one hell of an accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, that's amazing. Well, thank you. Well, I, last year I was training until obviously things Ooh, happened. Wow, have you ever seen that water in, in, the, in the yeah, East River? I used to live in New York. And I don't think you want to swim the East River. It's 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 not worth it. Yeah, yeah, that's a. Uh, <laughs> Might be safer swimming to Nova Scotia from the UK than swimming <laughs> the East River. Yeah, just saying. It's, uh, yeah. A little longer, but it might be cleaner. Yeah, okay. <laughs> a lot cleaner for sure, but awesome. that'll be fun. Oh, thank Rachel, you so much, it is, Sue. This has been great. Yeah, right, Yeah, it's Eric? that time. It's that time. This has been great again. I love the people we meet in this business. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sue. Well, thank you for having me, guys. So I guess you want me to wrap it up, Eric? Go ahead. Ask for more uh, (laughs) feedback and subscribers, please. That's right, everyone. Please subscribe to the podcast. You get a fresh new episode every single week delivered right to your inbox or iPhone, however you're getting it. Uh, But please leave feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, And until next time, be safe. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts.